Philippians 3 and verse 14, pressing onward. This is all set, of course, in a great doctrinal basis in this wonderful chapter of Scripture. The act of justification assures the Christian, the true believer, the true child of God, of pardon from sin and acceptance with God. And it's a wonderful blessing to be with the Lord's people today who have been pardoned and are accepted by the Lord. This is a work of grace. We can claim no credit for it. It is through the righteousness of Christ which has been imputed to us and received by faith alone. It's a work that's perfect. It's a work that's complete. It's a work that's going to stand for all of God's great eternity. So that's the context, but also the work of sanctification in the Christian's life. That being made more and more like unto his image, more and more conformed unto the image of God's own dear son. That follows on from justification. And the two are never separate, but the two are always together. And again, sanctification is not anything that you or I could take credit for. Because the Bible teaches us that it is God that worketh in us, both to do and to will of his good pleasure. And what a blessing it is today to say that we're in the house of God and God is working in us, molding us, making us, conforming us more and more onto the image of his own dear son. But sanctification is also accomplished in such a way that man is active in the process and man is accountable and responsible for the process. It's something which is gradual. It's a daily, a daily pressing onward. And I want to assure all of you, if you think today you're perfect, it just shows how imperfect you really are. Because you're not going to reach perfection until you reach Emmanuel's shores and that heavenly land above. The Apostle Paul, he was secure in his saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But to his dying day, and this is one of his last uh, pieces that he ever wrote, to his dying day, he ever sought to know more and more of the sanctifying power of the influence of Christ in his life. And he never lost this desire to be more and more like a saviour. As we grow older, there are many things, of course, that we realise that we can't do anymore. And you younger people, you just appreciate what you can do today because the older you get, you'll just appreciate, well, there are things I can't do today that I did years ago. But all of us, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, all of us have this desire who love and know the Lord Jesus as their saviour to our dying day. We want to be more and more like him. I don't want you to stop short because stopping short is robbing you of the blessing of God. Paul, he was an old saint of God, but he still wanted to go on. And he still wanted to go forward. And he still wanted to know more of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. And he still wanted to be more and more conformed unto the image of God's own dear son. This was his ambition. His ambition was to know more of Christ. Even in his dying days, he wanted to know more of the Savior. Now, God has brought us to the start of this new year, 2023. And individually and collectively, there's something we all have in common at the start of it. We all need to press on. 
We all need to push on if we're going to use the words of hymn number 555. Some didn't press on in 2022. As a pastor, it's always a heartache to see people who are full of potential for the Lord and, and full of ability and talents that God has given to them and they're just sitting there on the sideline doing nothing for God. But then there are others and they're active and they're engaged and they're battling and sometimes they're battling in such a way they're standing and they're falling but they're pressing on. They're trying to go onward and they're trying to go forward. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've tried in 2022 and you failed, but I don't want you to stop there. That's not where the Lord wants you to stop today. And don't go back. It's better to fail than not to try. Don't go back. We've entered this new year and standing spiritually still is not what God wants any of us to do. He wants us to press onward. He wants us to push forward. And as I thought about this, I thought about these words of Paul. And though he's coming toward the end, we're just at the start of this new year, but the analogy is just the same. God wants us to press onward, forward with him. And in cold rain, you need to press onward. Collectively, as a congregation, you need to press onward. But collectively, you'll only press onward as individually you press onward. And the congregation collectively is only as strong as you are individually. So we're going to look at it today. And we're going to consider these spiritual lessons uh, that we learn from Paul's desire just to press onward with God. And see can we apply them to where we are at the start of this new year 2023. And may the Lord enable all of us from the pulpit to the pew from the oldest to the youngest that we might be enabled by God's grace to press on. So first of all, let's learn from this wonderful expression that's used in the text. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The symbolism that's used here would have been very familiar to the readers of the Apostle Paul in his own day because the expression is just taken straight out of the, of the running of the races and Paul had in mind the ancient Greek stadium with its foot races. And of course, not only the stadium, but surrounding the stadium, the, 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 the seating, the spectators, it was all there. The historians tell us that at Athens, the, the length of that course was one-eighth of a Roman mile or approximately 607 feet. Or for those of you who have gone total metric, 185 meters. Not really a great distance to run. But making it was the whole objective of the race. And the purpose of the race was to reach that goal. And to reach that mark at the opposite end of the entrance. And the, depending on the race, the runner would run from the starting line to the finish. Or up and back again how many times the race would be. So near the entrance of the stadium... The contestants, would, would, they would strip down for the race because you can't run a race cumbered with all heavy clothing. So they knew all of that. They would strip down for the race. They would come to their assigned places. All of the runners would have their assigned places. They would be there at the stone, the starting line, and they would bend down. They would touch that starting line, and then the line would go down. So the, 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 there wasn't any starter's pistol fired. It was just a string or a cord 
put across the, the course. And when that was dropped, the runners had to take quick foot and run the race. They were pressing toward the mark. That mark of the finishing line up ahead. 607 feet they had to run. And they were looking toward that mark. Uh, this, I think, was a figure that Paul used time and time again right throughout his, his, his epistles. In First Timothy 4 and 7, we read those lovely words that he put, refuse profane and old wise fables. Now there's many today, brethren and sisters, they would prefer the old wives' fables. They would prefer the gossip. They would prefer the talk. And what is at the end of this verse? Because the verse goes on and it says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Rather than exercising the tongue, rather than exercising the, the, the listening to gossip and all that's going on round about, Paul said, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And then in verse 8 he says, bodily exercise profiteth little. Many of us have used that as an excuse to do none at all, but there's still profit in it. Bodily exercise profiteth little, but he said, godliness is profitable unto all things, or the exercise of godliness is profitable unto all things. So we have this idea here, sanctification, it is something that we're all totally engaged in, just as you would go out and do the exercise and preparing for the running, getting yourself ready for whatever race you're involved in, training for it, preparing for it. So Paul took the same analogy and he said, this race that the runners are called to run is the same idea. We're called to exercise ourselves unto godliness. It's something that we have to be engaged in. So many people today think godliness is passive. It's just something that you sit back and it's going to happen to you. But brothers and sisters, that's not the teaching of the New Testament scriptures. Godliness is something that we have to engage in. Godliness is something that we're accountable for. Sanctification is it's all of God's grace and to God's glory. It's God that worketh in us, but we are engaged in the process because that's how God has all planned it and worked it out. Again, we think of those words, you've often heard them, Perhaps at, at funeral services, Second uh, Timothy 4 and 7, Paul said, at the end of his journey, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. How many pictures are led up for us there? In the boxing ring, in the wrestling ring. And he's, he's fought the fight. He's, he's kept the faith. He's finished the course. And it's not what we all aspire to do. We want to finish the course. I always have a great fear in my own heart that somehow or another I'm going to trip up and fall before I get to the finishing line. But I want to finish that course. And if we have any des desire today, eh, that should be the primary objective in all of our hearts and lives. Lord, I want to finish well. And you can start out 2023 well and finish it really badly. So you have to start out the way you mean to go on. We are running this race and we're running the race not just as a quick, as it were, spurt up the road. We're running it that we might finish it. And that's the whole idea. We read in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, concerning this race, we're to run it with patience. 
the race that is set before us. I want to say to the young Christians here today, you know, when I was your age, I had everything worked out. I, I, I knew everything. My older peers had nothing really to tell me. I, I knew it. And I was totally wrong because I knew nothing. I had to be taught patience. I had to be taught how little I know, the nothing that I knew, in order to run with patience the race that is set before us. Be willing to be taught. Be willing to learn from others. Be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with others. Because we're all sometimes running this race and sometimes we're just hobbling along. But as long as you're making progress, you're going forward, running the race with patience. All these texts, this, these wonderful pictures that Paul uses here, he just takes them up and he uses them time and time again. They remind us that as a Christian, we're runners, but runners who do not just hold the ground that we're on. We have to make progress. Or sometimes, if you go to the gym, you'll see people running on the spot. And you think they're not making any progress. But they're looking at the little screen in front of them. And a little screen tells them they've maybe run 10 kilometers just on that one exercise machine. But they're running on the spot. Well, it's okay to put up the sweat running on the spot. But you want to see where you've come from and where you've got to. Now, as you look back in 2022, where have you come from? And at the start of 2023, what's your objective and where do you want to go to? That's the whole key. The one who runs, he knows that with each each step that he's taking, he's getting closer to the finishing line. And some some of us could well cross that finishing line this year. Not a sobering thought. Some of us could cross the finishing line before even the year opens up. How will we finish? We want to finish striving to cross the line, to do our best, to glorify God in all things. Now, let me ask you, at the start of 2023, where are you on the track for God? If you're sitting on the tears looking at everybody else, that's not a good place to be. You want to be on the track. There are so many churches, and sadly that's the way it is. We have a whole lot of church to many people. It's like a spectator sport. They come along to watch other people do the work. But if that's your uh, motivation, if that's your idea of church, you've got a total wrong idea of the service of God. We want you to come down of those seats. We want you to get on the track. We want you to get involved. We want you to make progress. At the start of this new year, as it were, we're all in that starting block. It's not, it's not bad to say, I'm just starting out. It's not bad to say, talk to one man not just so long ago and he said to me, he's a Christian of of great years and he served the Lord in many different ways. He said, I want to learn more. I want to go further. I want to go deeper. God has put that desire into my heart and into my life. It's not bad, brethren and sisters, to say, I'm just on the starting block. And if you're on the starting block, you've got that Uh, You've got that desire in your soul. I want to run this race for God. But if you're to make progress, if you're to make progress, you have to press forward. Secondly, there's a wonderful example given in the text. 
Paul provides us with the example of how we are to assess our progress in the things of God. And his own personal assessment and his training schedule and how he had done in the race and, 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 and what had brought him up to that part, part in time is seen there in verse 13. What did he say? He was making a calculation of where he was with God in this race. And when the spiritual sum of his life was counted up, Paul didn't say really that he was one who had obtained the mark. He hadn't crossed the line yet. He was very open. He was very honest. And this is what he said. I count not myself to have apprehended. I count not myself to have apprehended. Here's the great apostle Paul. He's saying, I'm not perfect. I haven't reached the mark. I haven't crossed the line. Indeed, the very opposite. I have not apprehended. In the opening verses of chapter 3, he, he addressed himself to the legalists who had influenced some in the church at Philippi. They had professed faith in Christ and uh, they had also claimed holiness by strict adherence to the, the Jewish ceremonial laws and they claimed to have reached per perfection by their strict legalistic code. Now, I have to send out this warning note. There are many in evangelical Christianity and they're just of that spirit and they think they're going to reach perfection's point by some adherence to a strict legalistic code. Will you not do it? It didn't happen in the days of the great apostle Paul and it will not happen in your day as well. Paul rejected the hollow claims of the legalists by his own example. There was no greater Pharisee than the Apostle Paul. That's what he said in these opening verses that we read together. But all of his adherence to the strict codes of the Pharisees didn't make him holy. Didn't push him on with God. Legalism, he said, hindered me rather than helped me onto God. And there's some evangelical Christians that put themselves in a bind, a real bind to legalism. And unless you dot all of their eyes and stroke all of their T's, you're just written off. I must be honest. There are many free Presbyterians just like that. And if that's your spirit today, it's not the spirit of Philippians chapter 3. Whatever others claim, Paul said, I know I have not attained perfection's heights. I have not yet crossed the mark. And I think at the start of this new year, it's good to have some honesty before the Lord and, and the Lord's presence. When you calculate where you are with God today, what's the sum? What's the total that you get? What sort of, what sort of a conclusion do you come to? Well, I think if you're honest, all of us would have to say, we haven't crossed the mark. We haven't apprehended we have a good example here from Paul himself. There's spiritual stock taking to do. At the start of the year, sometimes businesses, they do all the stock taking, they set days aside, they see what they have in the stores, on the shelves, and, and they get it all sorted out. And it's good for you and I at the start of this new year to do some spiritual stock taking. And let's be very honest. And when we look at the shelves, we see they're pretty empty. Self-examination such as Paul was engaged in here, I think it's a great antidote to self-complacency. When Paul looked at where he was spiritually speaking, 
He, he didn't feel complacent. Though he is vastly superior to, to all of us, he was the most eminent of all of the apostles, uh, yet he didn't feel satisfied with his spiritual attainments. Let, let us not lapse into spiritual complacency. But Paul didn't do it. He hopes you and I not to do it. He wanted to go on. He, he knew sanctification had further to go. He'd further to go with God. He'd more to learn. He'd deeper to go. He'd a broader experience of Christ yet to attain. Complacency is always a hindrance in any part of life, especially in our spiritual uh, life with God. And I, I fear there are many who sit in our pews and they're complacent. They, they want to present the nominal minimal effort. The nominal minimum effort. Privately, they pared down their devotions to the bare minimum. You know, I, I love all these devotional books we have. You go into any Christian bookstore, you can find, oh, maybe one of a hundred. And <clears throat> there are Christians, and they'll just take down that little devotional. That's my business done with God today. It's not, brethren and sisters. It's not your business done with God today. That should be a primer. That's the appetizer. It's nothing more. You have to go deeper than that with the Lord today. Don't be depending on your morning and evening and saying, that's me for the day. You have to go further. Privately, you have to go further. Don't pare it down to the bare minimum. Even our, our, our praying at home, we all bow in confession before almighty god if if we talked as much if we talked as much to god if we talked as much to our wives or to our husbands as we did to god the day would be very silent there wouldn't be much said in the house people say they have no time we have the same 24 hours that paul had it's, our, it's how we use our time. There are many people, uh, and they profess the Lord's name, and publicly they live clean. Yes, they're, 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 they're on the clean side, but they live silently. Their commitment to the work of God, the worship of God, is but at best one service a week. One service a week. You know that word commitment, that C word as I call it, is the word I think is most greatly feared amongst the Lord's people today. That word commitment. There are many people, you couldn't even get them to commit to put their name down for a bus sighting. They, they wouldn't even put their name down in the paper for a bus sighting. Because they might be afraid, they have to commit to it. But that's what God's calling today. You too, commitment. And Paul was able to write to Timothy those final words in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I know, I know about that commitment and I know what I have committed unto him against that day. Others sometimes will, will point to their own level of commitment, but don't ask me to do anything else. I can't do anything else. Sometimes, yes, there are some in the church and they're so overburdened, you don't put anything more on them. And I think that's right and proper to do so. But they're the minority. They're not the majority. 
And I, I know Coleraine is no different on alone. Because people are people wherever you find them the world over. I, I want you to find something more to do for God this year. Don't, don't be complacent. Don't say, well, I'm teaching Sunday school. That's me. Or I go to the ladies' meeting. That's me. Or I'm involved in the men's prayer meeting. That's me. Don't ask me to do anything more. Is there nothing more that you and I can do for God in 2023? Is there nothing more that we can press on with? Is there nothing more that we could take on for the Lord in this new year? Is there not more help needed amongst the work of God, amongst the boys and girls? Is there not more helpers needed? Is there not more helpers needed amongst the youth? We, we all lament the, the, the lack of youth amongst our own congregations. But you know, to have those youth, we have to work with those youth. You have to work with them. You'll never grow crops in the field if you're not in the field. And, and it's a challenge to all of the older people. Uh, you know, just to be challenged by the youth of our day and of our generation. Just be challenged just to work there with them. Can you not make it to the place of prayer, believer? It was lovely to be in the prayer meeting this morning and to see so many people there before the, the service actually commenced. And I know in Annalong, all the older saints that used to sit there when I went there, they're all away. Every one of them, God has taken them one by one. Is Coleraine any different? I, I doubt it. And I said to the younger people, would God not put you in the place of prayer? Would God not put the burden of the prayer meeting upon your heart? And I say to Christian parents, do not think, as it were, that sometime, you know, your, your teenage son or daughter will just grow up and one day they'll decide, oh, mum, dad, I think it would be a good idea if I went to the prayer meeting. Would you not be better training them to come to the prayer meeting with you? Encouraging them to come to the prayer meeting with you. Make it a family a date every week. We go to the prayer meeting together. You know, when complacency sets in, Men forget the demands of God's holy law. We look at the demands of the law and, and what is it? In essence, the law requires perfection. It asks for what we're not able to give. And I think even Christians need to be constantly reminded, I fall short. Do not think today that you have reached the mark. You and I, we fall short. And when spiritual complacency sets in, we, we lose sight of how horrible sin really is. The least sin is an attack on the holiness of God. It's the holiness of God that characterizes all of the other attributes of God. And the least sin is an attack on the great holiness of Almighty God. And when we measure ourselves by these things, uh, dear brethren and sisters, we see how far short we really fall. Sometimes, we measure, we, it has been well been said that we measure ourselves by ourselves. That's not a good rule of measurement. It has been put like this, when we mix with dwarfs, we think ourselves giants. But in the presence of giants, we become dwarfs. Are you measuring your life today just by yourself? Or by others, by the word of God. 
Paul's example of wanting us to press onward, it stops us being complacent in our spiritual development with God. Thirdly, let's consider the exertion that's in the, t- in the text. In exerting himself, he was totally focused. You see him on the starting block. He's bowed down. He has his hand on that stone. He's ready to go off the line. And he said, I press. The word for press just simply means I'm going to pursue it. That is my pursuit. His sole objective, verse 13, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. It's the pursuit of holiness that is spoken of here. It's the pursuit of grace in the soul that is spoken of here. Like the runner in the race, Paul permitted nothing to divert him from this goal. And with all his physical well-being, with all his mental well-being, with all of his spiritual powers, he, he wanted to pursue going on with God. Beware of everything, dear Christian, that would divert you from going on with God. If it stops you going on with God, stop it. Simple, stop it. If it stops you progressing spiritually, you stop it. In order to avoid such, Paul said in verse 13, he forgot the things that are behind. Remember the picture that, again, it's the the runner in the race. He's pressing onward. he's, He's going forward. He wants to make progress. He's pursuing just the same way the runner looked at the mark. He's pursuing holiness. He wants to go on with God. He wants to go through with God. He wants to make progress with God. And the danger wasn't looking back. And of course, if you look back when you're going forward, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. And even if you don't trip and fall, you're going to lose time. You're going to become disorientated. You'll not be able to make the progress that you ought to make. What has been done is done. I say that to all of you. You cannot unpick 2022. You cannot unpick what is behind you. Yesterday's blessings will never suffice for today's want. In the free church, I believe, brethren and sisters, we're too fond of looking back. And maybe we're too fond of looking back today because of the barrenness of today. And so we glory in our yesterdays. But we're called to run today. In 2023, we're called to run the day. Regardless of how tough the environment is, the, how, how difficult it is to, to speak for Christ in the public square, that's where we're called to witness and, and minister today. I read these words of, of Spurgeon and I smiled at them. And he put it like this, What acclamations are heard when allusion is made to what our fathers did? Oh, the name Carrie and Nib and Fuller. We Baptists think we have nothing to do now but to go upstairs and to go to bed for we've achieved eternal glory through the names of these good men. Thank God for them. They were grand men, but the right thing is to forget the past and to pray for another set of men to carry on this work. We should never be content, but on and on should be our continual cry. Likewise, we have a great history, but we can't live in history. We only can live in the present. We can learn from history, but we have to live in 2023 
And may the Lord help us to go on, to press on in 23. And let us not, as Spurgeon said as the Baptist, let us not go upstairs and lie down in bed and say the work is all done because of the great deeds of what our fathers were able to do. Let us rather say we have our work to do in 2023 for God. The personal cost is referred to here in verse 13 and 14. He's pressing onward. So this pressing, it's really the runner. He's straining every nerve. He, he, he's stretching every muscle as he keeps running. And he's got his hand outstretched to the finishing line. There were, no, there were no photo finish machines in those days. But he crossed the line. I look at the men and women up in round morn in the winter months and they're out training every night for the marathons that come in the springtime and they're running with their high-vis vests on them and, and with, their, with their spotlights around their heads and they're out in weather. I, I wouldn't even go out uh, to bring the coal in maybe on a, on a dark winter's night. They're out on all types of weather like that and they're pressing on, they're training, they're practicing, they're enduring. Spiritually, I don't think the analogy could be any, any clearer. We have to be willing to pay the cost and going through with God. I, I remember years ago standing in the front of the martyrs with the Whitfield students and we were singing a verse of this hymn and it just really hit me as we sang it and all those people sitting out in front. I said, the price is high, severe the test for those who would enjoy God's best. Surrender all and then take the road with those who will go through with God. Will you and I give unto the Lord that which cost us nothing at 2023? Is that the type of service we give to God? It has to cost and there's a cost involved in going through with God. And then closing notice with me, there's expectation in the text because Paul talks about the price. The prize that he's talking about here is a closer walk with God. Maybe you don't think that is the prize, but that's the ultimate objective for every Christian, that my walk might be closer with my Savior. How, how, how do we achieve that? Well, there's no one act or action. You know, sometimes you can go to that bookstore again and you'll take down the book and there's 10 rules, 10 guidelines to make you holy. It's false. It's absolutely false. Holiness is a multifaceted process. It's achieved through the diligent use of the public and private means of grace. I, I love how the confession frames the means of grace. It talks about the ordinary means of grace. The ordinary means of grace. There, there are many people today, young people, older people, not just the young people, we always reference the young people, but older people too, and they're running around after all of these extraordinary things. But God uses the ordinary. The ordinary, the preaching of God's word. Always make much of the preaching of God's word. Get to the preaching. Yes, use the sheet, young and old, to write down the headings, to write down the references, to look them up when you go home etc. Use the means, use the preached word. The preached word is what God uses, Ephesians chapter 5, to work out the blemishes and the spots that are in the church of Christ. 
That's the preached word. Let us never be guilty of setting aside the preaching of the word of God in the free church. Prayer. We don't think of prayer as a means of grace, but it is the sacraments, the coming to the Lord's table, those sacred moments when we sit around the tables and we partake of those blessed emblems of the crucified. Baptism. All that baptism teaches us about our death, burial, and resurrection with the Lord Jesus Christ, of forgiveness, of our assurance of pardon and peace with God. Those public means of grace. Privately, the private means of grace. Oh, what, what a blessing to start and to close the day and during the day to use those means of grace to grow with God and to go on with God. It's not just where we are, but it's where we're going. That's the price. Because we have an eternity with God. We talked about his eternal faithfulness. And God is eternally faithful to his people. He chose us away back in eternity past. And he's taking us step by step along the journey. To spend eternity with him. And eternity with him. That's the price. And that's what we're pressing onward. That's what we're straining for, as Paul did. Remember, he's the old man here in Philippians. And he's pressing onward at the close of life's journey to spend eternity with Christ. Now, I want to ask you, who are with us today at the start of this new year, are you with Christ? Are you saved by God's sovereign grace? If you were called today, could you say, as Paul said earlier on in this wonderful epistle, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Absent down here, but present in glory with the King of kings and Lord of lords. What an eternity. What an eternity the children of God have. What an expectation. This is our expectation that one day at the end of the race, we're going to spend eternity with Christ. I press onward. I press toward the mark. Let it be your watchword and my watchword at the start of 2023. Let's unite our hearts please in prayer as we conclude our service. Dear loving God and Father in heaven, we think of this aged servant of the Lord Jesus Christ laying himself out before the master once again desirous only to know Christ and him crucified desirous only to keep pressing on with God O oh Lord give us renewed endurance today give us that renewed experience that we want to go on with God we pray individually and collectively that will not miss the mark, that God will help us and endure us and enable us to keep pressing onward with him. Bless the flock here in Coleraine. We pray that thou wilt encourage all of your people. We thank thee for all who know and love the Lord, all that has been achieved in 2022. But Lord, take the flock further and forward in 2023. Bless us now, as we part our company, be with us throughout the remainder of the afternoon and grant us, we pray, an ever-deepening sense 
of the Lord's presence with us. Now separate us in thy fear and with thy favor take us back to our homes in safety and in thy providence reunite us this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.